In this week's episode, we'll talk about loneliness, our need for community and communion, and... Wilson! <laughs> Welcome to Table Talk with Mike and Angela. Welcome to Table Talk with Mike and Angela, a weekly conversation focused on helping you understand more about the Bible, faith, and what it means to live a faithful life. And now, here are your hosts, Pastors Mike Holly and Angela Martin. So, uh, Angela, today's word is alone. And, you know, when I, when I first saw this word, I immediately thought about those movies, you know, where where someone is stranded alone on an island, kind of like Tom Hanks in that movie, mm-hmm. Cast Away, you know, with the one where he paints a face on the volleyball and names yep. it Wilson. Yep. <laughs> so he's not alone. <laughs> you know, I, I think about that, that, you know, alone usually for us means that, that we're prevented from seeing other people, but sometimes, you know, people choose to be alone. You know, several people went from having community to being isolated because of the coronavirus pandemic of Mm -hmm. 2020. You know, in a way, loneliness is truly the emotional epidemic of our time. You know, uh, Spoo's book was was written, I'm sure, before the the epidemic, the uh, coronavirus pandemic. Um, But when his book was released, He said that half of Americans admitted to being lonely. You know, I wonder where that number is today. Again, when uh, Darren Spoo's book was released, he said that 13% of people said that they do not have a single person in their life who knows them well, like a really close friend. Mm -hmm. Loneliness is not the way things are supposed to be. You know, God has designed us to be like him. We're made in the image of God and God is in relationship, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And, you know, we're designed in the same way. We're supposed to live out a relationship with other people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and again, like Spoo does every week, he reminds us that uh, Scripture uh, is full of those stories where we are reminded of that. Uh, today, uh, you know, we're talking about how God realized that it was not good for Adam to be alone. And uh, that's Genesis 2, 18. Uh, And God decided that he would make a helper uh, to be with him. But on and on through Scripture, we hear this this same story where God shows up uh, in the midst of others' loneliness. Um, You have the story of Jacob, you know, where he spent the night alone at the Peniel River and rested with... uh, wrestled, excuse me, with an angel. Uh, and, and what he found through that was that God had been there all along with him. Jeremiah, you know, you, I think it was last week you were talking about, a, or maybe week before, you were talking about the cisterns, the deep wells, you know, that are used to, to hold water. Jeremiah was such an unpopular prophet that his people put him in a cistern for punishment. Mm. And so loneliness was the price that Jeremiah paid for doing what God had instructed him to do. And then uh, Jesus experienced loneliness. Uh, He spent 40 days alone in the desert where he was made vulnerable to temptation. And so we, we begin in this story with Genesis about, you know, we meet Adam and he suffers this bout with 
loneliness, uh, Adam kind of instinctively knew that there was something like not quite right about this solitary condition. Uh, even though God, you know, he uh, creates all of these wonderful animals and he gives Adam the opportunity to name the animals, but it's not enough, right? And so when confronted with Adam's sense of aloneness, God agrees with Adam that the situation is not good. And uh, God is certainly all that we need, but in that moment, God recognizes himself that, that he's not all we want. He's all that we need, but he's not all that we want. Hmm. And so he, he creates this helper. Spoo says, life can be endured when alone, but life is savored when shared. Living alone is like water. Living with others is like wine. Isn't it interesting that we all sort of have that yearning and that desire, like Adam did, that Adam instinct, longing for another person who knows us only in the way that we know ourselves. You know, you hear that, that phrase that we want to be known and know someone else. We want to love and be loved by someone else. Some people describe the experience of discovering a second self, you know, that, that person who's like a puzzle piece, you complete me, you know, <laughs> yeah. uh, a person who understands them in a way that transcends words or explanation. You know, this, this doesn't have to be romantic. It could be a sibling or a spouse or a friend, or, you know, sometimes you even hear about parents really connecting um, to one of their, their children. Of course, you know, we, we do look at Adam and Eve as this understanding of two human beings who complete one another. Um, in the, the Chinese symbol for a man when joined with the Chinese symbol of a woman results in the Chinese word meaning good. I mean, how amazing is that? That, you know, when, when the Bible says that Adam had uh, uh, Eve as a companion and it was good, this is woven into the very Chinese language. God is with the man and the woman, and the man and the woman are with one another. There's communion and community. So what we mean by that communion is that there is, there is a relationship with God. Communion, we talked about last Sunday, is a meal, mm -hmm. but it's more than a meal. It's spiritual communion with God. We're actually relating to God. We're actually um, in harmony with God when we feast at his table after we have submitted ourselves after we have you know asked for forgiveness and we have confessed our sins we've opened the door for God to make that relationship strong again that's communion but there's also community as Adam and Eve have one another you know and that's what is called paradise this idea that I have a relationship with God and a relationship with others and my heart is full that's paradise of course, we know that from the story of Genesis that sin ends up breaking relationships. And that's the tragedy of Adam and Eve's sin. Not only did their sin fracture their relationship in a way, in a way but it fractures their relationship with God as well. And you know, as they are sent out of the garden, there's, there's a level of loneliness that occurs. We, we know that there's the loneliness of not being in the presence of God walking among them, but there's also a, a level of loneliness between, between them because they're not as 
connected as they once were in the garden. And of course, we're meant to read into this that loneliness is the consequence of the world we now live in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, you know, I think it's also possible that loneliness is something we choose. Hmm. And, and Darren Spoo kind of goes through that um, conversation in his book. I don't think we always know that we're choosing loneliness, but he suggests that there's there's two questions that we can ask ourselves to kind of evaluate uh, our own uh, lives, our loneliness, our loneliness factor, I guess, right? Uh, the first one is, am I using people to avoid God? Mm. You know, we kind of laugh about the moment that Adam and Eve are in the garden and and God comes walking through the garden and they hide, right? Uh, but, you know, how do we hide? Do we hide from God? Do we bury ourselves under our busy schedules for the same reason? Are we running from our own emptiness? Mm. Um, if we look at the story of Moses, uh, especially there in the 18th chapter of Exodus, you know, we read about how Moses was so busy, he was trying to lead the people. He was uh, trying to give everyone counsel about God. He was, he was the go-between between them and God, and he was doing this morning to night. They needed him. Uh, they were dependent on him. Uh, but it came to this point that, that Moses' father-in-law, Jethro, comes to him and says, you know, you can't keep up this pace. Uh, you're not getting any time with God, you know, and, and of course that's true for all of us. You know, if we don't spend time with God and get that life, life-giving uh, moment with God daily, uh, life can become too much for us, and we find ourselves uh, a little separated and uh, in a place of loneliness. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we have to ask ourselves: Is my overdependence on people a sign that I no longer know how to depend on God? Because people and their demands are poor substitutes for God's presence in our lives. Mm-hmm. And, and underneath that, there's this issue of abandonment. How do we deal with the aloneness of abandonment? Um, we'll all face abandonment at some point in our lives. Uh, we'll lose a spouse or a parent. Uh, sometimes it's through the breaking of relationships, you know, one one person in the relationship just leaves. Um, even in our old age, as we get older, we uh, may feel abandoned. Retirement, um, which is some, one I had not thought of, but, you know, it's so true. You've worked in a job for 40 years, and uh, suddenly, I mean, you're happy to retire and have that time for yourself, but at the same time, that job goes on. Somebody fills your spot, you know, and the job goes on and, and you're not needed in that way anymore. And so that's a form of abandonment as well. Uh, but there were also biblical figures who dealt with abandonment. We think about Joseph and how his brothers left him in that hole, you know, and then uh, eventually they sold him into slavery. Mm-hmm. Paul spent a lot of his end of lifetime in prison, um, had kind of been deserted by his followers. Jesus 
the ultimate example, betrayed by Judas, deserted by, deserted by his fair-weather followers, uh, and then faced execution alone. You know, we know that his mother and John were the only two left there at the end. And so, although unwelcomed, abandonment can provide us with two opportunities if we realize we are in that place. One of those is to practice forgiveness, and the other is to learn um, that we should uh, have a greater dependence on God Mm. rather than other people. And then the second question uh, that we should ask ourselves is, am I using God to avoid people? You know, God is all we need for salvation, but God is not all we need for our personal satisfaction, just like Adam. You know, he needed that that helpmate with him. We are designed to desire God. We're also built to crave community with other people. Uh, and, you know, this the same uh, with Jacob. You know, he had that wrestling match with the angel, with God, but God transformed him through that into a humbler man. John, one of the original disciples, finds himself at the end of his life alone on the island of Patmos where he hears a revelation from God. And then, of course, Jesus always sought out a long time with God in prayer. And so while intimacy with God is important, our love of God must include love for others or else our professed love for God is only a clever spiritual disguise. The God who invites me to savor his presence also commands us to serve others in the midst of life's struggles. Mm. So we can hide from God ourselves. We can. We can. And it's amazing that, you know, God often tries to even chase down people when they choose uh, to be to be isolated or forced into it like you mentioned uh, John, who is on Patmos in exile. Mm-hmm. You know, God comes with that revelation to him, and that's the closing book in the New Testament. And remember, it's one revelation, so never say <laughs> yes. revelations. Uh, that's not the title. Right. But it's amazing to me that whether, um, whether we know it or not, that we choose loneliness. We choose something that is you know, completely against the way that God designed us and that that he wired us. But I think that that also points to our fears because often we consciously or subconsciously, uh, we choose loneliness or we choose to be alone because we're afraid of vulnerability or we're afraid of our own brokenness and what others might think. Intimacy with God and intimacy with others does lead to peace and contentment. This is what we yearn from the depths of our being because, again, we've been created this way, hardwired this way. But it also requires something of us. Every meaningful relationship that we have ever had requires some level of vulnerability, of opening ourselves up to God or to someone else. So I think we're going to talk a little bit more about that after our break. You know, how how God works to restore this intimacy between himself and us, 
as well as to restore the, the unity between us and others. But before we get there, let's turn it over to JT and Stanley as they're going to give us an update on a highlighted ministry here at Bluff Park United Methodist Church. 2020 has put an end to a lot of things, but it has not put an end to the, our call to help the needy and the homeless in our community. So right now, our adult ministry and our student ministry are collecting blankets for the homeless in our own city. So you can drop those off at our annual One Night for the Homeless. That's on November the 14th at 8 o'clock, where our students from our very own student ministry will be sleeping outside to raise awareness for the homeless in our city. Uh, if you can't make it then, if it's too late or if that's a bad day for you, you can always just drop off the blankets here at the church in the church office and somebody will know where they go. We're so thankful ahead of time for your donations and for the way that you care for the people in our community. So, you know, Angel, along the way, we've heard that God's intention for us is to be in meaningful relationships with others and in a trusting relationship of faith with him. And the New Testament paints pictures of what that might look like. Uh, yeah, uh, you know, one of the first stories I think about is Mary. You know, she finds out that she is pregnant with Jesus and, oh goodness, she had so many options of how she could have reacted to that. She could have pulled away. She could have hidden out of fear and shame of how her, her family would treat her. And, and maybe she was kicked out. You know, we don't know exactly what happened in those moments, but we know that she finds herself on the road to Elizabeth's house. And, uh, and so instead of hiding, she goes to Elizabeth and, and serves Elizabeth um, during her pregnancy. And not only is she there with Elizabeth, but Elizabeth, like you said, is carrying a child. And, you know, Luke tells us that John the Baptist, while he's in the womb, reacts with joy in Mary's presence. So he's even <laughs> aware at some level that uh, he's in community with her. Yeah. Yeah, and if you read through all those passages, you know, you very quickly see that uh, Mary's spirituality was deepened, not by isolation, but through her engagement with Elizabeth. Right. And you see not, not only um, her, her faithfulness, but her understanding of what her pregnancy means and what her son will be as yeah. she you know, prays and, and sings uh, throughout Luke. Well, you know, we look at the New Testament and how um, Jesus creates community uh, along the way. And it starts very early on with him calling his disciples. You know, these are people from various walks of life that become his disciples and carried on ministry after his death and resurrection. And we think that they walked with Jesus for anywhere from a year to three years, depending on which gospel you read. And it shows a level of intimacy because you know, they spent so much time together and they learned to call him rabbi and they saw so many times that he did these miraculous things, these signs. And it ends up at the Last Supper. You know, we talked about that last week on the podcast that Jesus and his disciples on the night in which he was betrayed and turned over to the temple guard, at the Last Supper, Jesus even told them his disciples, that they were more than servants. They were his friends. And he demonstrates his level of intimacy and friendship because he says, 
you know, there's no greater act of love than this, but for a person to lay down their life for their friends, and that's exactly what Jesus does. Of course, he does it for all of us. We all become his friends. Um, And God doesn't leave these disciples alone. You know, when Jesus uh, is telling them at the Last Supper, according to the Gospel of John, that he is going away and one day he'll bring them to where he is, he reminds them he's not going to leave them orphaned. He says that God will provide them with the Holy Spirit to be their advocate and their helper. The Spirit is God's presence with them, that they will not be left alone even after Jesus is resurrected and ascends to heaven. You know, along the way, Jesus is busy creating community as well, or at least restoring people to community. People who were blind or who were leprous, who were outcasts in society, when he heals them, he provides a way for them to re-enter their community. And then think about the ministry of the disciples as apostles, along with Paul in Acts and following. They didn't go around just making independent disciples of Jesus, trying to get as many yeses as they could. They started churches. They founded communities that could be the body of Christ together, bringing their various perspectives and gifts together as one. You know, they they didn't just create communities where people worshiped, but they became tied to one another as brothers and sisters. And we have all this historical references that there were tremendously, you know, rich people along with poor people, and sometimes even slaves and servants who were part of the same church. And it was, you know, sometimes difficult. Sometimes they didn't all get along the way they should, but there were also some evidence of them actually living out their faith as a bonded community. You know, many of these churches in the early days suffered through persecutions and they had one another during tough times who could lift one another up in love. And we know that not everybody in the church is perfect. And yes, that includes ministers too. (laughs) Not everyone is our closest friend in the church. Sometimes we'll sit next to someone that we don't know in church And, you know, we're still family. We're still brothers and sisters in Christ because we're part of the same community. But we have to understand that our brothers and sisters in the church are God's gift to each of us. They're all God's gift to us to be our church family to support us as we grow in the love of God and others. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, we can't just go around cutting ourselves off from imperfect people because as you say the church is full of them the world is full of them i mean we would just cut ourselves off from everyone Mm -hmm. Uh, but you know i think sometimes we attempt to do that because uh, we want to uh, protect ourselves right it's in the interest of self-preservation because relationships can be messy because we are imperfect and we can hurt one another um, uh, and hopefully we we make up for that but we can hurt one another and and inflict pain on one another and so it's it's understandable why we would try to cut other people out of our lives but at the same time as Christians we know that's such an important part of who we are that community And I think one thing that can help us not do that is to remember 
that Jesus experienced the same thing, you know, as we do as far as uh, feeling alone and wanting to protect himself, and yet he had this job to do. So I think when we, when we find ourselves alone, we can turn to Jesus and we can look at his experience. And I think what Jesus says to us in the midst of that is, I understand. You know, Jesus was abandoned by the very people who had promised to follow him, come what may. And even though God was present in Jesus' darkest moments there on the cross, we have the words of Jesus where he said, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Mm-hmm. You know, the weight of what he was going through, the weight and the depth of human sin that he was, he was there on that cross to, to take away, uh, it, it kept him in a way from feeling God's presence with him in that moment. Jesus felt very much alone. But because of that, you and I can hear him say to us, I understand. Me too. You know, I know what you're going through because I've been there myself. Yeah, and, and overcome it and come out on the right. other side. And, yeah, yeah. You know, and, and I just love how, you know, this is just how God is. But after the disciples fell asleep on him when he asked them to stay up and pray in the Garden of Gethsemane. After they they run away from him, after he told Peter he would deny him, and Peter actually does and runs away. Even after all of those things, when Jesus first appears to his disciples, he has no waving of the finger, no (laughs) words of, I told you so, or... How could you do that to me? Mm-hmm. You know, he knows that we are broken people and that we will make tremendous mistakes, but he still offers us a way to get back into community. And that makes me think about Peter. You know, that last scene, that last scene in the Gospel of John where uh, Jesus asked him three times, Peter, uh, mm-hmm. do you love me? Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? And it was Peter who denied him three times. So, you know, in a way, that was, that was Jesus restoring Peter from his loneliness of denial to his community and his Savior, who was, even after that, still his friend. In Christ, we are invited to remember who we are and to reclaim our true identity. We are God's children. He is our father. And as a parent, he wants us to be in his family forever. And God wants us to reclaim our true identity as part of the body of Christ, that we're a part of that family. And that in both of those invitations, we have relationships that will provide us meaning and purpose and community that will last so that we will not be lonely forever. You know, in a way, even when we are separated by death or pandemic, (laughs) there is also the hope and the promise that 
you know, this will not last forever and we will be reunited once more. Yes. Community. We are drawn together, united by God, not to be alone, but to be together. Well, before we finish our podcast, we've got one last um, interesting sponsor that JT and Stanley are going to share with us today. Today's podcast is brought to you by chairs. Are you tired of standing? Take a seat. I'm already sitting in one. Try a chair today. Well, Angela, this, this word, you know, is one of those words that, that we know, we have dealt with, we have faced, we have all had some sense of being alone or feeling lonely. And hopefully we all have experienced the joy of, of being in a meaningful relationship with God and other people. And it just reminds me about the choices that we have. You know, we have choices to be in relationship with God and others. We don't have to choose loneliness. Right. Yeah. Well, and we've been reminded today, too, that, that God is with us. I mean, even if we feel abandoned by everyone else, God is with us and Jesus understands how we feel. Mm-hmm. He does. My God, my God, yeah. why have you abandoned me? Why have you forsaken me? Mm-hmm. He's walked in our shoes. Yeah, exactly. Amen. Well, friends, we hope to uh, see you back here next week for another week in the Table Talk with Mike and Angela podcast.